This is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland, the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks. Before I begin, if you've not listened to Purvis yet and you plan to listen to it, you may not want to listen to this right now. You may want to go listen to the story first because this contains spoilers. I give away something big in this talk, and I don't want that to ruin it for somebody who hasn't listened to the story yet. You can hear the story by going to nolumberjacks.com slash Purvis, and that's P-U-R-V-I-S. In fourth or fifth grade, Chris Bickler introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. It was 1978 or 79. I know for certain we were well ensconced in the game by 1980, because we paused playing to watch Team USA win the Miracle on Ice. We poked our heads up from my living room floor, watched Team USA win, and then immediately returned to our dungeon crawl. It's safe to say I would not be a writer had I never played Dungeons & Dragons. I'd go as far as saying I'd not be the human I am today without the game. It's likely that without D&D, had I had access to a gun, I would have committed a school shooting in junior high school, or at least killed myself. Dungeons and Dragons was my salvation. In seventh grade, a classmate asked me if I believed in God. I said no, and just like that, I became one of the most hated kids in Carl Sandburg Junior High School. I wanted to destroy the people who picked on me. I had several plans to ensure they never hurt anybody ever again, but I also had an escape. On weekends, I was the dwarven warrior Bodigan, a variation of author Richard Brodigan, a name that seemed cool on the spine of one of the many books in one of our many family bookshelves all around our house. When I wasn't Bodigan, I was the dungeon master, running modules at first, but later creating worlds all of my own. I lost myself in the game. I dreamed of working for TSR Games when I got older, TSR Games being the company that made D&D and was only an hour away from my hometown in northern Illinois. In fact, when I went skiing for the first time in junior high school in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where TSR was based, I spent most of the time trying to figure out how to sneak away, find TSR's offices, and ask Gary Gygax for a job. I moved to Texas when I was 15 years old. My freshman year up north was not ideal, but I was no longer the target for bullies that I was in junior high school. Being torn away from friends left me hating the Lone Star State before ever setting foot in it, but within the first week of school in the tiny school I attended when my family moved down, I found a friend who played Dungeons & Dragons. John spent the night the very first weekend of the new school year, and we talked about the game while roaming the woods near my new house. We discovered a few other people who played, and suddenly I had a solid group of friends who played Dungeons & Dragons on a regular basis. I didn't hate Texas nearly as much after that because of the game and my newfound geek friends. I will not profess to being a good kid, because I definitely got into more than my fair share of trouble growing up. But I will say I would have been a lot more destructive had I not played Dungeons & Dragons. While the news and various media made it out to be a game run by Satan himself, D&D ensured our parents always knew where we were on weekend nights. Mom, I'll be at Bob's playing D&D meant I could stay out as late as I wanted, and it was a trust I never once betrayed. 
Jumping forward several decades, I'm a technical writer. I work for a company that is pretty strict with its insistence that those working there have degrees. But I don't have a degree. In my early adulthood, in fact, I worked in warehouses and factories, not offices. But I knew how to write and put technical things together in order from the game I'd been playing since 4th or 5th grade. I moved out of menial jobs and into office gigs in which I found myself coming into things with no idea what I was doing, and often leaving as a subject matter expert for what I did at the companies hiring me. I attribute all that to Dungeons & Dragons. It's a game in which you face long odds and survive only by solving problems. A door leading to a maze of horrors was opened with curiosity and confidence, and in real life, being the person to say, I'll take a crack at that thing no one else understands and doesn't want to try, at work was quite similar. If you can survive a teenage dungeon master trying to kill you as he takes out all his adolescent rage on you, chances are a day job isn't going to take you down. You're likely to work well with a team and not be afraid to suggest different solutions for things, because you know you're not going to be overtaken by a mind flayer or killed by a red dragon. And you also know that the most annoying person in the office will always pale in comparison to bullies you faced when your only salvation was a game played deep inside your imagination. It would not have been too difficult to find a gun in 8th grade and walk into Mrs. Austin's English class. Every single person who tormented me sat in the back corner. No one else would have been hurt. But I believed my history teacher, Mr. Michaels, when he told me it would get better and that I'd do well to focus on the things I enjoyed in life when away from school. Even if it meant playing alone on a weeknight, running mock battles with characters I made for the purpose of learning how best to defeat every creature in the monster manual, I was never far from leaving all the stresses of the day behind in the game, or, at the very least, finding hours of escape in my imagination, even sitting in a classroom. Purvis is a story I carried for a long time. I intended it to be more of an homage to the 80s. I thought characters like Torres would have had a bigger role to play in the story, but, just like the most well-planned game of D&D, sometimes things change along the way. I think back to talking with some adults about being tormented by bullies in school, and the advice was always the same. Bop them on the nose and teach them a lesson. They'll cower and leave you alone. But that's not what bullies do. The truth is, for many, the real monsters aren't in games. They're the father who blackens your eye, or the bully who curb stomps you in the face. They are the feelings of self-loathing that come from being a daily victim. Adults tell you it'll all be okay, and in the long run it usually is, but so many forget that even just a few years of being bullied when you're 12 to 14 years old is a significant percentage of your life, and you're left thinking, this will never end. So kids kill themselves, kill others, or are the ones being killed. I would never condone a school shooting, but I understand what drives a kid to pick up a gun and exact revenge on the people he feels have wronged and hurt him. I know what it's like to deliberately hurt yourself in private because at least, for once, you get to control the pain done to your body, not somebody else. I know what it feels to be a constant scream never heard by anyone and how claustrophobic that need to be heard can be. And because I understand that, I had to write this story. 
I had to kill Purvis because deep down, there's always been that little part of me left that needed to be killed as well. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cut. Theme music for Behind the Cut is a tune called Reaper by Hrazen. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the music, episodes, and voice talent. In a few weeks, in honor of Halloween, a podcaster discovers strange audio while editing an episode of his show. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.